Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 224. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Heyo, Fire Nation. Squarespace is the all-new, all-rockin', all-in-one platform allowing you to use drag-and-drop technology to create a beautifully designed website all by yourself. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIRE. And are you sick of being charged penalties by your cell phone provider? Ting Mobile saves the day. Get this. Ting doesn't charge penalties. They only charge for what you use. Visit fire.ting.com to receive a $25 credit today. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Hollis Carter. Hollis, are you prepared to ignite? Affirmative. I am ready to ignite. <laughs> All right. Hollis has started four successful businesses from scratch, focusing primarily on marketing and innovation through the creation of joint venture opportunities. He is currently the founder of Velocity House Publishing and loves shredding fresh powder at every opportunity. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Hollis, but take a minute, tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. And then take another minute and give us an overview of your business. Sure, no problem. Well, thanks for having me so much. Yeah. Uh, it's been really interesting. It's actually my second podcast that I've done. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun so far. So a lot of cool things have been happening. And I'll try to make this brief because I kind of have a, a long story, but uh, an interesting one, if you will. But yeah, grew up in Georgia. And I remember we moved. Uh, my dad was actually one of the first guys to graduate high school in our whole family. So came from a very humble upbringing. And he got a sixteen hundred on his SAT, and so got you know free college. And I was born during that period of time. And when I was about four, we moved to a really nice neighborhood because he picked up a good consulting gig. And I remember right as I got a little bit older and could understand, he goes, "You know, there's going to be a lot of people who get cars when they turn sixteen. You're not going to get a car. You're going to earn that car." And uh, I didn't quite take that heart. And then I woke up Christmas one morning, and my dad had put a lawnmower under the tree. And I was like, here's your car. You can turn this into whatever you want. And my mom was real cute. Like, every time you mow a lawn, it's like a bolt on your car. And, uh, <laughs> you know, basically turned it in. And I actually found an old Jay Abraham manual uh, that, that my dad had dug up for me and took that and read it. And actually, I think this is when I first kind of learned I liked the marketing stuff. I read it and was like, I hated reading at the time. And I loved reading it. It was a real thin, like maybe 15, 20 pages of just these things, these letters that he had written for roofing companies and stuff like that. So I took it and we had just got a computer. Uh, it was in the day before the internet. And uh, I wrote up uh, my version of what he had done for these roofing companies for, you know, I'll blow the leaves off your driveway for free to get started. And you can do a whole continuity thing. And I wrote up this whole letter and my mom drove me around in the minivan. I put them in every mailbox and uh, Literally went from there to within like two years, I think I had very solid reoccurring income where I had outside, you know, I mowed them all by hand and did all the, the work and slowly grew the equipment. And then before I could even drive, I was having my father take me up to where I could pick up day laborers and I was looking up how to speak Spanish on, in, uh, in these books and stuff. And 
I grew this company, I kind of know her, and then I graduated high school, was actually able to take off to Aspen for a little while, and where I kind of fell in love with the mountains. And I've always gone through this balance. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate with. I've seen my bank account very, very large and very, very low. And <laughs> it just goes up and down based on how much free time I want. And, uh, you know, I've always had that struggle and have been slowly working on this new model where hopefully I'm not constantly dealing with the time struggle because I, I feel like I'm always like, oh, I'm doing so well. This is great. But now I'm working a lot. People need me a lot. And I want to go play. And just going up and down, it's it, just like the mountains, so does the bank account go up and down um, as the life of the, the person just always pursuing these different projects. And when I found this whole internet marketing stuff is when I really was able to like, oh, I can, you know, when I talked to you last, I was in Canada on a three-week tour, you know, out skiing and, and doing that, but still running these businesses and just opened a lot of doors, but have uh, mainly just tried to kind of not listen to what the man says, if you will. And I really have some problems with authority and things like that. And I think that's been actually very helpful uh, with continuing to push the envelope and, and and get these businesses started. Some of the successes we've had have been absolutely amazing and have always been able to create it with friends and just kind of come in and do my magic, but always aligning with, with people who are doing something amazing. One of the big things I learned along the way is like, I am not someone who likes to create products. I've created some of my own products and I've been involved in that process and decided like that's not, that is in no way, shape or form my strong suit. What I am here to do is help people who can create good products, but don't understand any of this marketing stuff to get them out into the world. And that is where I, I really actually enjoy business and find that like inner light of it all is helping someone who might've never seen their amazing product get out there to see the light of day actually be able to turn it into a business they can be proud of and, uh, and continue to do what they do best. Wow, Hollis. Well, that's quite an intro to what's going to be a great interview. And we're going to delve into a lot more of what you do later on. And I just love your analogy of the entrepreneurial world to the mountains that you so love because it's so true. We have peaks and we have valleys and there's plateaus and everything in between. And when you're working hard as an entrepreneur, you're seeing all this great return at times. And then you know you want to take a step back and breathe. And when you do that, sometimes you feel like it's all going to get taken away or somebody's going to catch you from behind. And it's just this potential never-ending struggle. And how do you find that balance? So these are all questions we're going to answer later on in the interview. But before we do, Hollis, we always start to show off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling, to get Fire Nation pumped up for that content you have for us. So take it away. Uh, yeah, so this is actually kind of the tagline I sign everything with and live by when I hit any of those little valleys, if you will, is uh, you know don't be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. And that has served me extremely well. It's actually a quote from a climber that I used to read some of this stuff as a young age because before I found skiing, I was an avid climber. And uh, yeah, so don't be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. So give us a real-life example, Hollis, of where you've applied this quote to your life, to your mentality. I moved to Aspen after college, uh, very expensive town, and didn't take a lot of money. I didn't know how to sell a landscaping business. I just know how to take the money I made and get out of there. Um, drove out there, ran out of money, came back. College was free in Georgia if you kept to be average. 
And uh, so it was kind of cool, but I quit about four times and moved to Colorado to play each time. And finally, at the end of college, I actually broke my leg climbing and was like, screw this, I'm going to finish college now. And since I had a broken leg, I crammed you know, 18 hours in a summer semester and I, I knocked it out. But I took an internship during that period of time with a guy who was doing some internet marketing, doing some, some phone sales for him and learned a lot. And so in that period of time, I was like, oh, this is my ticket to, to get back out there as soon as I graduate. So me and my best friend and roommate at the time launched a business um, online where we created these social networking sites for K-12 through schools and realized other people could do the same thing. And we actually created one of the first video sales letters before we actually knew what that was. And uh, it was very interesting because we were then involved in the product that helped teach that after, which I both loved and regret because everyone does it now. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, the, the cool thing that happened is I was, we were sleeping in our, you know, house in Atlanta. I was on a blow-up mattress the night this happened, actually. And he came in and was like, dude, dude, we made like six figures last night. <laughs> and... And I was like, oh, what happened? And we learned this thing called affiliate marketing. And we set up an affiliate program and put our video up on the internet that explained it. And someone picked it up overnight and had mailed it and made like 100 sales of our product that was $500 plus $20 a month. And so that was just truly amazing to, to have that feeling. And then we're like, oh, let's get more affiliates. So we went to a conference and we got more affiliates. And we did that. And so... For about three years, we were doing really well. We had the company was doing seven figures, doing well. We were living virtually and, and having great lives and enjoy it. But one time, that actually uh, we woke up and something had happened to our data transfer of those credit cards to a different system. We lost all five thousand reoccurring billings overnight, and it's like, oh well, that's done. What do we do now? And you have that one day like, ah, let's just. So we just went out on a limb and we just said, screw it, let's do it again. And uh, we just restarted from scratch, basically, and, and recovered. But where we really went on, where I personally had to go on a limb is we redid that model about three times over the course of three years, and we're just running very successfully and doing really well. But I became very complacent, and I don't really view businesses as something I'm doing to make money, but it's part of my life, like you know, something I enjoy doing and, and, and drives me. And I was getting a little tired of what we all was doing at that time, and there were some complicated issues because this was my best friend and our whole life. We've been sharing bank accounts from freshman year of high school all the way up until now. And I went heli skiing actually in Canada. And on the way home, I read the book, The Alchemist. And when I landed, I called my business partner and I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. You can have everything. I've got this idea I got to pursue. And so once again, I went to that uncomfortable space of, you know, we had this seven figure business doing really well and I just let him have it all. Took a, and took myself into a new situation of pursuing this new business that I'm working on now and just went out on a limb and did it and it's proven to work out really well. Uh, and it could have gone either way, but I think either way there would have been some fruit that I was able to pull out of it because you know, not everything we've ever done has been a success. Um, but at the same time, where I actually find the fruit for me is going out on a limb and trying something that a lot of people say can't be done and working against the odds is what I really enjoy. Powerful stuff, Hollis. And we're just going to use this segue to go into our next topic, which is failure. Because as an entrepreneur, we have those peaks, we have those valleys. The reality is we're failing every single day on certain levels. And as long as we don't allow that to define us as entrepreneurs, as who we are, and we can drive forward from that, it can be very powerful. So 
Take us back to a time in your life, Hollis, when you failed. You've already shared with us a couple obstacles and challenges you've had, but we want a really powerful failure, obstacle, challenge that you faced. And then share with us how you overcame that. So I got a pretty good failure. And, you know, a big part of it came is when is it time to to realize that you failed? And we had this grand idea. I had uh, a mastermind up at my house in Colorado, and we sat around for about four days trying to come up with what the next big thing was going to be um, that we were going to pursue and launch, and it was going to be our next big business that changed the world. We had this idea that we were going to apply to social networking sites, and I literally packed up my whole life and agreed to move back to Atlanta for four months with the, the people we were all going to be involved in this. And after about a few weeks, I remember sitting down at dinner with everyone, talking about the next phase, and with some of the changes that had happened in social networking and where everything was at, I remember having to like grumble inside my stomach, and everyone was putting everything in our life into this, and have to say, I do not think we can push forward on this because it is no longer viable. We had put tons of money, tons of time, and tons of effort and energy and like passion into this project. But literally one change in Facebook caused it to where these last four months were basically gone to waste. And I've always been a big you know, believer in persevere past that and, and push through. And I know if we would have done that, that it just would have resulted in nothing. But to go from literally having all of us, we all moved into the same house together and we're just working constantly on trying to get this going – and having to sit and be the one to come to the dinner and say, like, I, I think this idea is, is going to fail if we push forward on it. And we had already had a few clients who were fairly large names working with us on doing the social media marketing for them. And literally, like, that was one of the hardest things a business I've ever had to do is to kind of cut bait on it. And what we learned from it was you have to look at it from the outside and come up with you know, when is, when, when is it that you can decide something is a failure and it's almost this awful feeling but at the same time when everyone realizes it because they did not agree with me at first in any way, shape, or form. It was an argument that lasted weeks until everyone had kind of made their case and it's kind of like if you're in a relationship or something that you really want to push through but you know it's going to fail, there was just factors in place in the economy, in the state of social networking that wouldn't allow us to do it. And uh, that was the, you know, the first time that I had an experience with putting a team together, putting businesses together, building a model and doing all these things. And then to be like, crap, we can't do this. Like, you know, there's no way we're gonna be able to make payroll each month. If we continue down this road, it's going to be a never ending battle. And, uh, and having to kind of man up and realize that you might not have the best idea in the world has, uh, has been something that set in really hard from that, but it was a good lesson to learn. And I'm glad we were able to walk away from it. Um, but it wasn't free. That failure did have some costs associated with it, for sure. How did your partners finally come around to seeing your point of view? Uh, I think everyone kind of saw it. But at the same time, no one wanted to see it. And um, I think it was when I kind of finally said, you know what? The, I have to say, if you're going to pursue this, it's going to have to be without me. And we continued to talk about it. And... You know, when you have a business with people on payroll, that's that's a pretty heavy thing to say. And I think that's when it really came down to like, you know, these are people's lives that we're talking about here. We need to be transparent and we need to understand that this quote unquote great idea 
is no longer that great. We don't understand it. We didn't know what we were getting into. And uh, it took that and it took a, a night of solid drinking together and getting very honest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and really just laying it all out on the table because people get married to their ideas. I think we have a lot of pride in our ideas and uh, to agree that, you know, you, you did your best in an idea, but it was wrong is, is something that, that, that takes a lot of gusto to, to man up to and do because it's easy just to keep pushing and pushing and, uh, that has served us well in the past, but at this point in time, it was one that it took a few conversations and I, I think some uh, some solid drinking and getting honest with each other was really what did it. That's a powerful failure, Hollis, and even a more powerful life lesson because anybody that's read Seth Godin's The Dip knows that so many people fail right on the verge of success. He talks so long about just that dip, that valley that every entrepreneur goes through, that every business goes through, and that perseverance that's needed to get through that dip, to get through that valley, to make it through to the other side. He also, at the same time, talks about the fact that, you know what? There are some dips that nobody's ever going to get out of because the business model is broken. It just doesn't work. And no matter how long you stay down there in that dip, and no matter how hard you persevere, that's not going to change anything. It's not going to suddenly start working. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the baseline of the conversation now that I remember it. No kidding. I, I remember uh, going through it and pulling out the graph. Like, this is where we're at, guys, and we either have to make these decisions. And I've since then used that same dip graph in conversations when things might seem to be failing, but I know a little push will help. And, uh, you know, have actually used that very recently in a very similar situation. So you actually helped me answer that question more properly. Thank you, Hollis. I'm very glad I could do so. And I'm really glad that you were open and honest and generous with Entrepreneur on Fire with your response because it's not always easy to talk about those tough times in life because we're remembering those friends that we let down or those clients or businesses that we didn't quite come through with. But at the same time, it's so important for us to grow as entrepreneurs, to analyze that and to learn and to study it. So I really do appreciate it. And now we can move on to a better part of the interview, which is the other end of the spectrum, that aha moment. So Hollis, tell us about that time when you had a light bulb that just went off and you said, wow, this is going to resonate with my authentic self, with my true mission in life. I know who this is going to be speaking to, my target audience. And then tell us how you turned that aha moment into success. Yeah, so actually what happened with that is... uh a little bit over a year ago today, really, um, is when this all came together. I was actually down in Austin, Texas. Uh, ski season had just ended, and I was, every year when ski season ends, which it just ended yesterday, so I'm going through the lull of trying to, uh, to know that that's gone for a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I was down there, and I was actually at the internet marketing party that uh, David Gonzalez puts on, and we were having a great time, and there's this guy that I had done some little projects with in the past, and... I was asking what he was up to, and I was going through a time where I was trying to figure out what was next, and man, when he showed me what he was working on, I was like, holy crap, this is it, and essentially what had happened is he was in his basement, and he just loved to write, and he liked writing some really weird stuff, like paranormal vampire novels, and was doing really well at it, selling a lot of books. And I was recently getting into some more of the personal growth stuff, such as meditation and health and fitness, and have been reading a lot of books on Kindle and Amazon, and was a little disappointed in some of the content that was marketed well. And this is when I kind of resonated with my true self of, 
I don't want to create any more products. All I want to do is take really good products from people who have amazing products but don't have that marketing mindset and get them out there. And I was like, talk to them. I was like, can we apply this model you're doing for these vampire books, you know, over to some really good content? And he was like, absolutely. And so we spent about two months mapping that whole thing out. And since then, I've been on this mission, basically traveling around and meeting folks finding out people who have like the best content and can prove it to me and like hey you know what let's do a book together because a book has this just relevance to folks that seems to be so real compared to like oh I have an info product or I have a DVD it's like oh I'm a number one best selling author and I made it kind of my mission and my goal to, to build a system out where I could find someone who had, you know, just yesterday I met this guy who's on PBS and he's the best Qigong teacher in the world and he was showing me all the people he's healed and helped and I was like, do you have a book? Said, no. So well, let's talk about it. And, you know, we signed a book deal and so we'll be pushing his book out and there's a whole lot of other things that go in that but what it resonated with me is I can take people with amazing content who don't have to care about marketing anymore because I find that pollutes their message a lot. And we had developed this system um, of what he had done with these simple little vampire books. And we were able to apply it to these other niches and now have put tons of books on the bestseller list of amazing content. And, and I find that it's actually having an impact. And, uh, and that's what I've really enjoyed because it's something you can see, something you can touch. And a big thing for me is my mother can now explain what I do. Uh, she's always like, <laughs> you know, people are like, what does Hollis do? And she's like, I don't know. He just does stuff and skis and stuff on the Internet. I'm not sure. But now she's like, oh, he publishes book. And she could pull up Amazon and show her friends the books that we're publishing and things like that. And uh, so a lot of values came with that. And uh, it's been about a year now that I've been pursuing that. And it's been nothing but an amazing roller coaster. Isn't it amazing how important it is for our mothers to be able to brag about us? Yes, <laughs> before she was simply confused. There should be a book about that. My mother can now brag at her bridge club about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dot com. Yeah. So, Hollis, have you had an I've made it moment? Uh, I think I've had more than a few I've made it moments. And um, what I'm realizing actually is that they're just going to keep coming and... One of the big ones recently um, was I actually got invited uh, out to this meeting in Utah where this small group of folks is uh, deciding to, to purchase this mountain and build a, a community of entrepreneurs. And they had seen what I had done uh, on Amazon and invited me out to come check the whole thing out and got invited to be like one of 40 people who they felt like you know fit the mold of people who are making an impact and businesses were doing things that aligned with what they were doing. And uh, they invited me to join them in you know, the acquisition of this mountain and the building of this community. And I was just like, wow, being compared to a guy who founded Tom Shoes and PayPal and you know, just really high, Richard Branson, you know, and being asked to, be, to join part of that founding group. And realize when I'm talking to them, I'm like, I actually have things to say that add value to their lives. And these are people, as I was starting my business, I did a thesis on Richard Branson in college. And now to be like, this is going to be my neighbor that we're growing lives and businesses with was a, a very powerful moment for sure. Wow. Now, is it going to be a ski mountain? Yeah, it actually is a fully operational ski mountain already. Too cool. And uh, went ahead and, and took over operations of it this year and then uh, have just been growing it along and have amazing people. I've been doing events just about every weekend. It's, it's really cool. The Summit Series is pretty much in charge of running it. And 
yeah, it's going to be going to be a really amazing ride. And that was one of many moments that that I felt that way. And another one is always every time I get to sit on a helicopter and go skiing. That, <laughs> that's actually my favorite. Is when like you know I had the ability to to do this. And it's funny the first two authors I ever signed, I was still starting the, the author business, and I. To go on a heli trip and schmooze these guys that I know that was the only way I was going to get enough of their attention, they were skiers too, was going to cost a ridiculous amount of money that I didn't have time. I putting it all on the line, getting the trip set up on credit cards and going, and by the time I left, they were totally in, more than paid for the trip, and I got to have a, essentially the best time of my life. And I was like, wow, that, that just worked out perfectly. <laughs> That's some serious return on investment. Yeah, because not only did you know the investment pay off with two contracts and two new authors that really helped us leverage but you know it was 10 of the best days of my entire life so uh, i realized you can really combine the life and business you know successes and i've made it moments all into one and, and that's what i've really been shooting for that's powerful hollis and that is why i love this question because Every entrepreneur that I interview answers this question differently. Some say, I'll never have an I've made a moment, John, because that will denote the end of my journey. While others say, John, I have an I've made a moment every single day on certain levels. And it's just great to see that you are appreciating the journey, these milestones and these accomplishments that you're hitting along the way, because the journey is so powerful. I commend you for enjoying it. And let's use this to move into our next topic, which is your current business, Talk to us about one thing that's really exciting you right now about your company. There's a lot of things, but I will dial it into one. And that is that I have realized the the publishing industry is so upside down, backwards, and two steps back from anything that's moving forward because the only asset the publishing industry for books had was a printing press, essentially, up until this moment. And it's been flipped upside down by the the Kindle and the digital download and all these different things. And, you know, to be able to come in, we can literally take anyone with amazing content and use a book as a catalyst to create what it is they want to see. And, and so now I'm, I've got my Tuesday call days is what I call them. And I just do calls with potential authors on Tuesdays. And I get to ask that question first. I'm like, so this book could be a catalyst for anything you want to see in your business what would you like to see and we can literally use it as a, a piece of like clay to mold and transfer them in the right direction and the successes we've had with that are amazing and you know someone might say oh i need more leads for my business very easily done as far as you know profits and things like that are concerned that's the most fun is taking a book and turning that into a lead because and really not just a lead but a relationship like if you look right now on your table and see books laying around there's a lot of best-selling authors who never say another word to you Every book we publish, we put so much effort into ensuring we get their contact information, we follow up with them, we build that relationship so that the book is just the start to where they grow from there. You know, some guys might say, I just want to be able to be on the news and spread my world to the world, or I just want to rank on Google for this stuff. So when people search, they find me. And, you know, what excites us is we can do pretty, we're, ma- we're magicians for people right now. We can use this book as a catalyst to create any change they really want. And, and that's extremely fun, and uh, it, it makes the job much more enjoyable than just, you know, selling stuff. So, Hollis, you talk with such passion about how you're changing the publishing landscape. Talk to us for a couple seconds about your vision for the future. 
I really think that it's going to get like right now the assets that the big six publishers are out there, and there's a reason they got you know brought to the DOJ <laughs> file a lawsuit against them for price fixing and things is that the model has to change, right? There's new things that have happened and new things that have changed. So how I see it happening is a lot of power coming back to the content creator and quality content. The ability for these few companies to make the decisions of what content made it out to the mass public because they had the trucks, they had the warehouses, they had the printing presses, limited the information we were exposed to. I think right now everyone is exposed to so much valuable content. We're in the, the information age. You hear that. Well, now the filtering process of getting a marketing team and a publishing team behind you is much easier than ever before, and it gives the power back. So in the past, someone who has an amazing piece of content they want to share through their book, they're stuck with, ooh, I'll get a nice little upfront check and a teeny little bit of my book sales, and hopefully it does well. And those guys are just kind of rolling the dice and gambling with a lot of books. Where now we know to relative certainty that content is of high quality, that we can get it out there and we can get their message to the world and they can see the results from that, see the profits from that, and in turn get to make a life for themselves out of it instead of it just being one caveat to the next and they're, they're constantly struggling. I want the people who have a real gift and real knowledge to share with the world to be able to do that and profit from it because they deserve to. It's, you know, I, I enjoy breaking the mold and disrupting that, what, what's available right now. And, uh, and we've definitely been getting emails from the big guys letting me know I'm doing that. So it's obviously working and it's an enjoyable front to be pushing on. Now, what's an example of an email you've gotten from the big guys? Just getting them from all the, the, the tops of, you know, Random House and Penguin and stuff wanting to, to talk to us to do. But we actually don't know exactly how we want to do that yet. So we're just kind of continuing to push forward with our values and in our angles now and just kind of staying in our, uh, our little zone of the world and pushing forward until it makes sense. Because the last thing we want to do every time we try is, is to slow down. There's a reason we call it Velocity House is once we know we want to work with someone and we want to push a campaign forward, we push hard and we push fast. And working with the old rules is very slow and mundane and, and it just aggravates us. So, you know, we want to push and we want to push fast and hard with the best content that's out there because it's changing so quickly. Who knows if the best content on a subject, different research comes out, different things happen. And, uh, and we like pushing with velocity and by combining to these old methods and models, it, it seems to just slow us down. Absolutely. That's the biggest benefit right now that entrepreneurs have when they're launching businesses is staying lean, staying agile, being fast. And I can just see where you guys can make decisions and just stay ahead of the curve that Random House, Penguin, Wiley, they just don't have that possibility. So really powerful stuff. They came from really great roots when they started, but just like everything has its climax and its falls, you know, things have changed and they've built if I built all my infrastructure around what existed then, it'd be very hard to change. And we realized that just like I realized at some point what we were building is not going to be adaptable to the market at any time. And it's just like kind of knowing when we, that one business was going to fail. We know that aligning in that way is not really going to be helpful to our clients right now. Hollis, those are some great insights. So let's take a quick time out and thank our sponsors. So Fire Nation, what is Ting? I'm glad you asked. Ting is the hot new mobile service provider offering you a cell phone plan that just makes sense. 
What's great about Ting is that they don't have any BS contracts for you to sign, any of those annoying early termination fees, or outlandish overage and penalty charges. Sound worry-free? That's because it is. Ting offers a truly unique service that's easy to understand and easy to love. Ting also offers an awesome online account control panel where you can view your usage, update your personal information, and view your monthly statements. With Ting, you're in control. Fire Nation, Ting has offered us a pretty incredible deal. If you visit fire.ting.com, you'll receive a $25 credit good towards a new device or towards monthly services. That's fire.ting.com. Fire Nation, is launching your website holding up the launch of your business, next product, or new service? Then I've got just the resource for you, Squarespace. Squarespace offers an all-in-one platform that allows you to use drag-and-drop technology to create a beautifully designed website in no time flat. Add content to your site straight from your desktop or easily rearrange content within a page. Squarespace makes it easier than ever for you to create your own site just the way you want it. And with responsive design, you don't have to worry about people not being able to view your site on a mobile device. It's automatic. Squarespace has 24-7 customer support, live chat during the week, and fast email responses throughout the day and night. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. And for a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIRE. And now we've reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I get to provide you with a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Do my best to blow your mind. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Actually, this is great. There's a, a book that just resonated so much with me on this that I just read uh, by Felix Dennis called The Narrow Road, and uh, he talks about the things that limit people. One of them is like, do you actually want to have money? Um, like I kind of resonated with this outdoor ski bomb guy who camped and I currently right now don't even have a house or a car. If that makes any sense, you know, and <laughs> being able to live in that situation of, you know, I always associated an entrepreneur being someone successful with a lot of money and a lot of things and getting over that that is not what it's about. That was a that was a huge huge part of it for me. Um, I'd say that was the biggest hurdle was the mental battle of do you actually want to be rich? And then I realized rich doesn't have to mean having a bunch of cars and stuff. Uh, you could be rich in what you create and what you do. And then what I realized it does is it buys the freedom to make the decisions that that really follow for you. So that was my biggest hurdle for sure. I had constant mental battles with that. I was my own therapist about it for a long time. Yeah, T. Harv Eker's book, Secret of the Millionaire Mind, really delves into that as well because there's such a mental shift that needs to be taken in a lot of different areas along those lines. What's the best business advice you've ever received, Hollis? Uh, this might sound cheesy, but follow your gut. Like I can't tell you how many times I'm following my gut. When you, you're sitting pushing on something so hard and it just won't seem to budge, and your gut tells you it's about to budge, then that's good. But if you're pushing really hard, your gut tells you you need to do something else. You know, that's been a huge thing is that intuition is the guideline to us all. It's very easy, especially with how connected we are. Um, and, and I felt the, the downside of this. It's trying to get advice from the peanut gallery on every single thing that you might just 
get in this paralysis analysis. And sometimes you just got to jump and make a decision. And so I find that just jumping is, is a big thing. And, you know, to pull a ski analogy on a really good powder day, even if I can't see my landing, I'm probably going to huck it. Well, <laughs> same thing here. If my gut tells me that this is a really good idea, the stars are aligning on this, I'm going to pursue it. Just do it. Don't spend time asking questions. You know, I was on with a consulting client today who was like, well, I'm not sure if this logo is going to violate a, you know, this other person's logo. It's kind of similar. I'm like, you know what? Just go. Because if you do well enough that this company is telling you that you're competing with them, then that means we've actually got something to go on and we can push forward and adapt and change. But if we just sit here and try to battle out these little details, we're never going to get anywhere. And uh, it comes back to that velocity. Follow your gut, move fast, and and believe that what you're going to do is going to work. Love that. What's something that's working for you right now? Taking the concept of, you know, the big advantage that we have right now is like I can work virtually all over the world right now and I have all these tools and softwares and systems and things that help me. So that, that's really cool and a lot of people are getting advanced with it. But when you can now kind of go in the reverse of people, getting the people in the systems working together and really developing folks so right now, we've done this big intern initiative. We've got tons of interns all working so hard for these jobs. And, they, and we, we put up their hell, to be honest, to get these jobs, but they're hungry. And we were hiring overpaid and entitled people to do different roles. And now we've gone to this intern model, and they're working hard. And we're basically telling them one thing. is like the opposite of what I've heard from a lot of other business people. And that's, you know, I basically tell them at the beginning, like, make yourself so valuable, I can't live without you. And we have these all-stars who are coming up and just doing amazing things for the company and way further than the direction I could give them because we've given them the ability to ask for forgiveness rather than permission on a lot of things. And I find that the, that the businesses I think are going to be really successful, the ones who are using this technology and all these cool new methods, but they're adapting it with people who have a passion and, and really are dialing into their stupid human tricks. Um, and, and doing that right uh, right now. I think people have, you know, you can try to automate and do the whole thing with all technology, but tapping back into people and doing it correctly uh, and people who really have that, that desire and that burn, because not everyone is entrepreneurs. It's our job as entrepreneurs to help grow people and give them things to do that, uh, that they're going to enjoy. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? It's funny you mentioned that because today we just had our big team call and um, we've been juggling with all kinds of, you know, we have tons of projects going on. Trying to juggle a million projects has been very difficult. And uh, we had it based, we were using Asana, we were using Infusionsoft, we were using about 50 other programs and we needed one. And we actually deduced it down to two. So I'm actually, this is a, because I'm actually a, working with a ski company as well that doesn't use any of these tools. But I went and looked in a, this tool called Salesforce that they're using for their sales guys on the ground for managing all the amazing opportunities I get has been ridiculously helpful. Um, the app is really, really good. And uh, so we're using a combination of that and a thing called Central Desktop to manage all our projects. But what I've found is you don't want to use any of these paid tools until you know you've got something that's working and cash flowing. Just like a lot of people advise, you know, don't buy a bunch of fancy furniture for your office until you're already cash flowing. Same thing, I think, with a lot of the expensive software tools. 
we've bootstrapped every single business by using all the free tools that Google provides. We do all our meetings on Google Hangouts. We use Google Documents and Google Forms, and they have all seemed to serve us extremely well. Um, so it's kind of a two-sided answer is, yes, we found these new tools that work great, but we never, ever move on to them until the free tools have served us, and, uh, and we stay nice and lean in the beginning because there's so many amazing free tools out there right now. Such good insights. If you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, Hollis, what would it be? I'm actually going to fire right back to the one I just mentioned earlier because I think I reread it every month right now. Um, is by Felix Dennis. It's called The Narrow Road. And it deals a lot with a lot of the questions you've been asking. And I ask myself all the time, like, these are the mistakes that startups make. These are the reasons why you will not succeed. And he's very... I really enjoy when people don't sugarcoat things, and I really enjoy the way he talks about the. It's called a brief guide to getting to getting rich, I believe, or getting of money. And uh, you know, essentially, he just he's very blunt and to the point. Each chapter is only a few pages that gives you the brief little insights you need. And I'll find myself pulling it open to read a few chapters just to get inspiration on a topic and get my head on straight. And uh, without a doubt, I think that book and The Alchemist are the two that anyone should read. I love that. And that book, along with your resource and everything else that you've mentioned throughout this interview is going to be linked up on the show notes page, entrepreneuronfire.com slash Hollis Carter. So Hollis, this next question is my favorite. It's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. Identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I'd go skiing, and then uh, I think it would all work itself out naturally. Especially if your food and shelter is taken care of. Yeah, I mean, um, that's kind of how I actually went to the alchemist, and this might be a little new age for a lot of people, but... Like the signs that I follow have seemed to serve me very well is being out there and li- just listening to people a lot. Uh, a lot of the business I've been able to grow has been from sitting on the chairlift listening to people talk to me and uh, just just getting out there and meeting folks. So the one thing I wouldn't have when I woke up Earth is you know a network of people to reach out to. Right. I think I work on building my network and being the one who is cultivating that. Um, so you have the laptop. I would. Say, hey, we're all born in this new world. We don't know anyone who wants to meet up and try to figure this situation out. (laughs) Let's all go skiing together. Hollis, that was legitimately actionable advice. You have given us actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Tell us how we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Awesome, yeah. I mean, I literally would say that little quote that you see floating all over social media and people blown up at the whole outside of your comfort zone is where the magic happens is like never be afraid to make that leap like that is where it happens i can tell you how many times that i can go back and remember being so uncomfortable and frustrated like to where you're almost crippled to a point like what do i do i'm i'm hitting my wall that very soon after that the amazingness happened so I really think people moving out of their comfort zone is the key. And, uh, and so people are comfortable, comfortable with that, to use that word twice. So I, I think that is the big thing. Don't be afraid to go out on a limb, and that's where that fruit is. Um, and then if they want to find out more about us, you could actually just, 
I actually have a, a contact form on hollis.carter.com that I just set up for the last podcast I did. And uh, more than welcome to hit me up there if you have any questions. Uh, if you're interested in books or anything like that, there's two resources for our company that you could check out. One, if you go to velocityhouse.com and you already have a book and an idea and you've just been struggling, you can submit on a form there. And uh, if we can help you out, we're happy to. And the other is my partner, Johnny, who hopefully you'll get on here soon, who's kind of the ninja of all things Amazon books and yeah. ecosystem builds, some of the stuff he's just amazing things he does. It blows my mind. Uh, so he did a two-hour webinar recently just answering people's questions about this. And uh, you can get access to that at perfectpublishingsystem.com. Well, Hollis, this will all be linked up in the show notes. Again, entrepreneuronfire.com slash Hollis Carter. Thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Awesome. Thanks a lot, John. And now let's give it up for our five-star reviews, Motivating Minutes, Ogopa Team, Flip W, C Maximus, Swished Electric, Bobble Fett, Turn to Smith, Aaron Marcus, and John Bassa. Thank you so much for supporting Entrepreneur on Fire, and I look forward to thanking everybody who does the same. To all you inspired entrepreneurs out there, are you ready to take your dreams and passions and ignite? If so, then Fire Nation Elite is for you. Fire Nation Elite is a mastermind that I have formed and will be leading. If you are in need of a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs whose sole focus is to support, motivate, encourage, and hold accountable every member within, then Fire Nation Elite is for you. Go to firenationelite.com to find out more. That's firenationelite.com. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.